Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Tuesday, February 14th episode, uh, Valentine's Day, no less. Uh, That would be episode 167, I believe, episode 167 of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find our podcasts over at podcasts, that's with an S, dot striving for eternity dot org. I would definitely encourage you to do so. There's some wonderful, wonderful podcasts over there. Definitely worth your while. Um, You want to get over there and find something you'd rather listen to than me, I would definitely understand it. Um, I have four of them currently on the list of ones I'm listening to. And like I've said before, the only reason I don't have more is because I don't have the time in the day. Um, What you're going to find out today. Um, I'm going to let you, well, let me finish some of the other and then I'll let you know up front. Um, So um, I also want to remind you of the last link in our show notes. Um, that is the link for the Vail Valley Baptist Church Give, Send, Go campaign. Uh, what we're doing with our campaign, what we're working on is trying to get our mortgage rapidly paid off so we can shift gears and commence establishment of a Christian classic education-based school to provide an alternative for the, our community, for not just our church, but for our community, an alternative place for, for parents to be able to send their children and their grandchildren. In my case, it's grandchildren. Um, and, and how important that is, you know, to, to be able to find a, find a place that you feel comfortable with your children actually being educated, educated there, excuse me. So, um, go ahead and click on the link. You can read a better description than I'm giving to you. Um, and then we would ask three things of you. We would ask you to pray for us. We would ask for you to prayerfully consider giving, and we would ask you to pass the link along so others can do the same thing. Um, the other thing I was going to say, um, is I've, I've kind of let you know up front, I'm, I'm starting to run into a point where I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, I've, I have now run out of already pre-prepared, um, notes and stuff that I would, that I was working off of to do the evening lesson. And so I've been trying to, trying to catch up and trying to stay ahead. Um, and so honestly, I ran out of time this, this week coming into it. And so I do not have, um, notes for our reading for our, our, uh, our lesson. Wow. I, I went blank on the word, our lessons for today and tomorrow and ongoing, um, needless to say. Um, so, you know, I had mentioned that we might do some reading. I actually have a book I want to do a reading from, um, it's Thomas Watson's a godly man's picture. Um, it talks about the characteristics of a godly man and, and, and I would assume it would also apply for godly women. Um, and I would be reading, you know, 15 to 20 minutes worth of it each evening. Um, definitely worth your while. Thomas Watson is wonderful. I mean, great, great Puritan theologian, definitely worth your time. Um, one of the best considered one of the best. And I, and I actually have this, um, one of the best systematic theologies out there and he doesn't even call it a systematic theology is Thomas Watson's body of divinity. Um, and I do have that on my shelves and, and it is wonderful and, um, you will never go wrong with Thomas Watson, but he's only one of many Puritans out there. And there's some others I'd like to read to you. And I've even thought of reading through um, some sermons, um, some sermons from some great men, great men of God, um, from Jonathan Edwards, um, definitely uh, children and are uh, sinners in the hand of an angry God um, would be wonderful to read it, you know, break it up into sections and read it and stuff like that. I think it would be great for you. Um, definitely beyond my teaching. I mean, the, these are, these are men that that I still go back over multiple times. Um, Spurgeon that we do the devotional for his, his sermons, just wonderful. Um, so I've thought of reading some of those. I do have a collection of those, um, that are just awesome. Um, so I've thought about that, but what I'm going to try to do, and I've never really done this before. I have never preached or taught extemporaneously. Um, 
What that means is doing it without notes. I've done this study. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not jumping into this without studying and just trying to figure out and parse in my head these verses. I've actually done the study. I just haven't been able to write, sit down and write down uh, what I wanted to do. So we're going to try that out this evening and tomorrow evening. Um, I will do my best not to run off on a tangent. That's part of why I do notes because it tends to control me from running off on a tangent because I'm well known for that. Um, my family has a joke. They talk about they talk about Wayne's Wayne's tomato stories, um, and it's it's not something I've ever specifically done. It's it's something my wife made out to portray the way I tend to tell stories. So. Um, just so you know, I will do my best in the evening segment to give us a good a good Bible lesson, and maybe this will help me be able to continue on in the study as I'm starting to run out of time to be able to do this and fit this in as well. Um, so anyways, just wanted to let you know that. But with all of that said, we need to go ahead and jump into our Bible reading for this morning. So we'll go ahead and open up with it being the third day of the week, being Tuesday. We're going to go ahead and open up in prayer from Valley of Vision. Oh, I did want to point out um, my two, uh, the two Valley Vision prayers, the end of the morning segment, beginning of the evening segment. I didn't have time to go look them up, but I do have the page. I have the titles for them and the pages where you can find them in, in the Valley of Vision where you can go read them yourselves. Um, but I just didn't have time to try to hunt down links for them and everything. So I, I, I apologize for that. But honestly, that may be where I start going, where I'm reading straight out of that and just giving you the page number for you to find it and the name of it. Um, because I would definitely encourage you to get your own copy. Um, it is definitely worth your while. So I would encourage that, and they are not expensive. Okay, so here we go. Third day morning prayer. It's called God, Creator, and Controller. Let's pray. Most high God, the universe with all its myriad creatures is thine, made by thy word, upheld by thy power, governed by thy will. But thou art also the Father of mercies, the God of all grace, the bestower of all comfort, the protector of the saved, Thou hast been mindful of us, hast visited us, preserved us, given us a goodly heritage, the holy scriptures, the joyful gospel, the savior of souls. We come to thee in Jesus' name, make mention of his righteousness only, plead his obedience and sufferings, who magnified the law, both in its precepts and penalty, and made it honorable. May we be justified by his blood, saved by his life, joined to his spirit. Let us take up his cross and follow him. May the agency of thy grace prepare us for thy dispensations. Make us willing that thou shouldst choose our inheritance and determine what we shall retain or lose, suffer or enjoy. If blessed with prosperity, may we be free from its snares and use, not abuse, its advantages. May we patiently and cheerfully submit to those afflictions which are necessary. When we are tempted to wander, hedge up our way, excite in us abhorrence of sin, wean us from the present evil world. Assure us that we shall at last enter Emmanuel's land, where none is ever sick, and the sun will always shine. Amen. All right, and our Spurgeon uh, morning devotion um, for, let's see, what is it? February 14th, sorry. For February 14th, the text for it is 2 Kings 25, verse 30. And his allowance was a continual allowance given him of the king, a daily rate for every day, all the days of his life. Jehoiachin was not sent away from the king's palace with a store to last him for months, but his provision was given him as a daily pension. Herein he well pictures the happy position of all the Lord's people. A daily portion is all that a man really wants. We do not need tomorrow's supplies. That day has not yet dawned, dawned and its wants are not as yet unborn. I'm sorry, and its wants are as yet unborn. The thirst which we may suffer in the month of June does not need to be quenched in February, for we do not feel it yet. If we have enough for each day as the days arrive, we shall never know want. Sufficient for the day is all that we can enjoy. We cannot eat or drink or wear more than the day's supply of food and raiment. The surplus gives us the care of storing it and the anxiety of watching against a thief. One staff aids a traveler, but a bundle of staves is a heavy burden. Enough is not only as good as a feast, but is all that the greatest glutton can truly enjoy. This is all that we should expect, a craving for more than this is ungrateful. When our Father does not give us more, we should be content with his daily allowance. Jehoiachin's case is ours. We have a sure portion, a portion given us of the king, a gracious portion and a perpetual portion. Here is surely ground for a thankfulness. 
beloved Christian reader in Matt, I'm sorry, beloved Christian reader in matters of grace, you need a daily supply. You have no store of energy. Day by day must you seek help from above. It is a very sweet assurance that a daily portion is provided for you in the word, through the ministry, by meditation, in prayer, and waiting upon God, you shall receive renewed strength. In Jesus, all needful things are laid up for you. Then enjoy your continual allowance. Never go hungry while the daily bread of grace is on the table of mercy. All right. And now our reading for the day. Uh, we're going to read Exodus 37, 38, then Matthew 28, and then into Psalms and Proverbs. So, hear the word of the Lord. Exodus 37, verse 1. And Bezalel made the ark of acacia wood. Its length was two, two and a half cubits, and its width one and a half cubits, and its height one and a half cubits. And he overlaid it with pure gold inside and out, and made a gold molding for it all around. He cast four rings of gold for it on its four feet, even two rings on one side of it, and two rings on the other side of it. He made poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. He made a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide. He made two cherubim of gold. He made them a hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat. One cherub at the one end and one cherub at the other end. From one piece he made the mercy seat with the cherubim at its two ends. The cherubim had their wings spread upward, covering the mercy seat with their wings, with their faces towards each other. The faces of the cherubim were toward the mercy seat. Then he made the table of acacia wood, two cubits long and a cubit wide and one and a half cubits high. He overlaid it with pure gold and made a gold molding for it all around. He made a rim for it of a handbreadth all around and made a gold molding for its rim all around. He cast four gold rings for it and put the rings on the four corners that were on its four feet. Close to the rim were the rings, the holders for the poles to carry the table. He made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold to carry the table. He made the utensils which were on the table, its dishes and its pans and its offering bowls and its jars with which to pour out drink offering, drink offerings of pure gold. Then he made the lampstand lamp of pure gold. He made the lampstand of, stand of hammered work. Its base and its shaft, its cups, its bulbs, and its flowers were of the same piece. There were six branches going out of its sides, three branches of the lampstand for the one side of it and three branches of the lampstand for the other side, from the other side of it. Three cups shaped like almond blossoms, a bulb and a flower in one branch, and three cups shaped like almond blossoms, a bulb and a flower in the other branch. So for the six branches coming out of the lampstand. In the lampstand there were four cups shaped like almond blossoms, its bulbs and its flowers. And a bulb was under the first pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the second pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the third pair of branches coming out of it, for the six branches coming out of the lampstand. Excuse me. Their bulbs and their branches were of one piece with it. The whole of it was a single hammered work of pure gold. He made it seven lamps with its tongs and its trays of pure gold. He made it and all its utensils from a talent of pure gold. Then he made the altar of incense of acacia wood, a cubit long and a cubit wide square, and two cubits high. Its horns were of one piece with it. He overlaid it with pure gold, its top and its sides all around, and its horns, and he made a gold molding for it all around. He made two golden rings for it under its molding on its two sides on opposite sides, as holders for poles with which to carry it. He made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold, and he made the holy anointing oil and the pure fragrant incense of spices, the work of a perfumer. All right, Exodus 38. <clears throat> then he made the altar of burnt offering of acacia wood, five cubits long and five cubits wide, square and three cubits high. He made its horns, oh, sorry, he made its horns on its four corners, its horn being of one piece with it, and he overlaid it with bronze. He made all the utensils of the altar, the pots and the shovels and the bowls, the flesh hooks and the fire pans. He made all its utensils of bronze. He made for the altar a grating of a network of bronze beneath, under its ledge, reaching halfway down. He cast four rings on the four ends of the bronze grating as holders for the poles. He made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze. He inserted the poles into the rings on the sides of the altar with which to carry it. He made it hollow with planks. 
Moreover, he made the laver of bronze with its base of bronze from the mirrors of the serving women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Then he made then he made the court for the south side of I'm sorry for the south side the hangings of the court were of fine twisted linen, one hundred cubits. Their twenty pillars and their twenty bases made of bronze. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were of silver. For the north side there were one hundred cubits. Their twenty pillars and their twenty bases were of bronze. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were of silver. For the west side there were hangings of fifty cubits with their ten pillars and their ten bases. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were of silver. For the east side toward the sunrise fifty cubits. The hangings for the one side of the gate were fifteen cubits with their three pillars and their three bases. And so for the other side. On both sides of the gate of the court were hangings of fifteen cubits, with their three pillars and their three bases. All the hangings of the court all around were of fine twisted linen. The bases for the pillars were of bronze, the hooks of the pillars and their bands were of silver, and the overlaying of their tops were of silver, and all the pillars of the court were furnished with silver bands. The screen of the gate of the court was the work of the weaver, a blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen, and the length was twenty cubits and the height was five cubits, corresponding to the hangings of the court. Their four pillars and their four bases were of bronze, their hooks were of silver, and the overlaying of their tops and their bands were of silver. All the pegs of the tabernacle and of the court all around were of bronze. These are the things numbered for the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony, as they were numbered according to the command of Moses, for the service of the Levites, by the hand of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. Now Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made all that Yahweh had commanded Moses. With him was Oholiab, the son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, a craftsman and a skillful designer, and a weaver in blue and in purple and in scarlet material and fine linen. All the gold that was used for the work, and all the work of the sanctuary, even the gold of the wave offering, was twenty-nine talents, and seven hundred and thirty shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The silver of those of the congregation who were numbered was one hundred talents, and one thousand seven hundred and seventy-five shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. A bekah a head, that is, half a shekel, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, for each one who passed over to those who were numbered, from twenty years old and upward, for six hundred and three thousand five hundred and fifty men. One hundred talents of silver were for casting the bases of the sanctuary, and the bases of the veil. One hundred bases for one hundred talents, a talent for a base. Of the one thousand seven hundred and seventy-five shekels, he made hooks for the pillars, and overlaid their tops, and made bands for them. The bronze of the wave offering was seventy talents and two thousand four hundred shekels. With it he made the bases to the doorway of the tent of meeting, and the bronze altar, and its bronze grating, and all the utensils of the altar, and the bases of the court all around, and the bases of the gate of the court, and all the pegs of the tabernacle, and all the pegs of the court all around. <clears throat> all right, Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards quaked from fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said, Come, see the place where he was lying, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with, his, with fear and great joy, and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and report to my brothers to leave for Galilee and there they will see me. Now while they were on their way, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and took counsel together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say, His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this is heard before the governor, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. 
and they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to keep all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All right. And now, Psalm 34. Uh, We're going to start in verse 11. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of Yahweh. Who is the man who delights in life and loves many days that he may see good? Guard your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of Yahweh are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of Yahweh is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry and Yahweh hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Yahweh is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the evils against the righteous, but Yahweh delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be contemned. Yahweh redeems the soul of his slaves, and all those who take refuge in him will not be condemned. In Proverbs 9, verses 9 and 10. Give knowledge to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Make a righteous man know it, and he will increase his learning. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Uh, That's always been, uh, verse 10 there has always been one of my favorites. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. And I want to point out to you, that's not meaning fear as in terror. It's fear as in awe awe of Yahweh, true reverence for Yahweh, true reverence for God is the beginning of wisdom. That's what the psalmist is saying there, or or, I'm sorry, in this case, um, it may be Solomon is saying there, but the the fear of God, the the true reverence for God is the beginning of wisdom. All right. Well, that is our reading for the day. Um, Thank you for spending this time with me. Uh, I hope you have Shoot, I gotta go back and look, make sure I got the right one. Um, I hope you have a wonderful day. I would continue to implore you, as I have before. Sorry, I'm trying to look something up as I talk to you. Um, that you go and do all that you do for the glory of God today. Um, and I definitely would look forward to seeing you back for the evening segment. Again, I told you it's, it may be a little tough. I will do my best for you, um, but we'll see how it works. It's kind of an experiment for both of us. Um, but again, I, ho- I hope you have a wonderful day um, again. And, and, and I'm so very, very blessed to have gotten to spend the time with you. And hey, we're over a thousand listens. We've gone over a thousand listens. And you know, and I've told you before, I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing this. Be- believe me, it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, I'm doing it for the glory of God. It's all about the glory of God and, and building his kingdom or being a part of him building his kingdom, though he's really the one building it. Um, so, um, but, you know, I, I hope the time together has edified you. It's made clear the scriptures to you. Um, it, it's um, provided conviction for you. I, I, it does for me. Believe me, I'm not saying that like you should be convicted and I'm not. We should all be constantly convicted and thus constantly striving in sanctification. All right. So we're going to close out um, with uh, another prayer from Valley Vision. Vision, And again, I'm reading this right out of the book. It's called A Convert's First Prayer, and it's on page 94. Let's pray. My Father, I could never have sought my happiness in thy love unless thou hadst first loved me. The Spirit has encouraged me by grace to seek thee, has made known to me thy reconciliation in Jesus, has taught me to believe it, has helped me to take thee for my God and portion. May he grant me to grow in the knowledge and experience of thy love and walk in it all the way to glory. Blessed forever be thy fatherly affection, which chose me to be one of thy children by faith in Jesus. 
I thank thee for giving me the desire to live as such. And Jesus, my brother, I have my new birth. Every restraining power, every renewing grace. It is by thy spirit I call thee Father. Believe in thee, love thee. Strengthen me inwardly for every purpose of my Christian life. Let the Spirit continually reveal to me my interest in Christ, and open to me the riches of thy love in him. May he abide in me, that I may know my union with Jesus, and enter into constant fellowship with him. By the Spirit may I daily live to thee, rejoice in thy love, find it the same to be to me as to thy Son, and become rooted and grounded in it, as a house on rock. I know but little, increase my knowledge of thy love in Jesus. Keep me pressing forward for clever discoveries of it, so that I may find its eternal fullness. Magnify thy love to me according to its greatness, and not according to my deserts or prayers. And whatever increase thou givest, let it draw our greatest love to thee. Amen. All right, again, thank you for spending this time with me. And like I said, God willing, I'll see you this evening. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the, um, let's see, Tuesday, February 14th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. Faith Comes From Hearing podcast continues to be a humble humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find our podcasts over at podcasts, that's with an S, dot strivingforeternity.org. Um, I would definitely encourage you to go over there. Great, great, great listening. Great listening. Great, great for our walk. Great for our Christian life. Definitely worth your time. So I would definitely encourage you to go do that. Um, I, I And I'm not just saying that. I actually do that. I There are a number that I listen to. And like I've said before, the only reason I don't listen to more is because I don't have the time in the day anymore. I, I just don't. Um, believe me. I mean, I'm listening to four of them. And, and there, there are at least five right now that I want to add immediately. And I can't figure out a way to do it. So who knows? Um, but anyway, so I would definitely encourage you. I would also continue to remind you of the link at the bottom of our show notes for the Vail Valley Baptist Church Gives and Go campaign. Again, we're trying to uh, rapidly pay off our mortgage so we can shift gears and commence establishment of a Christian classic education-based school as an alternative for our community. Um, so please go ahead and click on the link and go read what we're doing. And then we'd ask three things of you to pray for us to prayerfully consider giving to us, and then to pass the link along so other people can do the same. Um, we're going to be continuing on in our study of John chapter 6 today. And like I warned you in the morning segment, um, I'm going to be kind of doing this extemporaneously. I've prepared the, I've, I've done the study, but I just ran out of time being able to write up the notes and I wanted to make sure I got this episode out. So I'm going to be doing this without notes. So we'll see how this goes. I will do my best not to run off on tangents or to get lost in what I'm trying to tell you. So, or what I'm, well, I'm sorry, what I'm trying to, to convey to you that the scriptures tell us, sorry, I needed to put that the right way. So let's go ahead and open up. We're going to open up in prayer. And again, I don't have a link for this one in there in the show notes, but this one from Valley Vision is called the Trinity and it is on page two of the Valley Vision. And again, I would encourage you get your own, please get your own, get your own hard copy. You need it, especially when we don't ever know whether the internet's going to be there tomorrow, whether access to any of those links are going to be there tomorrow, have your own. I, I Don't get me wrong, I love having electronic access to things, but I do have a library and I continue to establish it of books, hard books. All right, so again, we're going to start with the Trinity. Let's pray. Three in one, one in three, God of my salvation. Heavenly Father, Blessed Son, Eternal Spirit, I adore thee as one being, one essence, one God in three distinct persons, for bringing sinners to thy knowledge and to thy kingdom. O Father, thou hast loved me and sent Jesus to redeem me. O Jesus, thou hast loved me and assumed my nature, shed thine own blood to wash away my sins, wrought righteousness to cover my unworthiness. O Holy Spirit, thou hast loved me and entered my heart, implanted their eternal life, revealed to me the glories of Jesus. Three persons and one God. 
I bless and praise thee for love so unmerited, so unspeakable, so wondrous, so mighty to save the lost and raise them to glory. O Father, I thank thee that in fullness of grace thou hast given me to Jesus to be his sheep, jewel, Portia. O Jesus, I thank thee that in fullness of grace thou hast accepted, espoused, bound me. O Holy Spirit, I thank thee that in fullness of grace thou hast exhibited Jesus as my salvation, implanted faith within me, subdued my stubborn heart, made me one with him forever. O Father, thou art, thou art enthroned to hear my prayers. O Jesus, thy hand is outstretched to take my petitions. O Holy Spirit, thou art willing to help my infirmities, to show me my need, to supply words, to pray within me, to strengthen me that I faint not in supplication. O triune God, who commandeth the universe, thou hast commanded me to ask for those things that concern thy kingdom and my soul. Let me live and pray as one baptized into the threefold name. Amen. All right, in our evening devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for February 14th, um, Valentine's Day, no less, um, the text is Luke 8:47. She was healed immediately. One of the most touching and teaching of the Savior's miracles is before us tonight. The woman was very ignorant. She imagined that virtue came out of Christ by a law of necessity, without his knowledge or direct will. Moreover, she was a stranger to the generosity of Jesus' character, or she would not have gone behind to steal the cure which he was so ready to bestow. Misery should always place itself right in the face of mercy. Had she known the love of Jesus' heart, she would have said, I have but, I have but to put myself where he can see me. His omniscience will teach him my case, and his love at once will work my cure. We admire her faith, but we marvel at her ignorance. After she had obtained the cure, she rejoiced with trembling. Glad was she that the divine virtue had wrought a marvel in her, but she feared lest Christ should retract the blessing and put a negative upon the grant of his grace. Little did she comprehend the fullness of his love. We have not so clear a view of him as we could wish. We know not the heights and depths of his love, but we know of a surety that he is too good to withdraw from a trembling soul the gift which it has been able to obtain. But here is the marvel of it. Little as was her knowledge, her faith, because it was real faith, saved her and saved her at once. There was no tedious delay. Faith's miracle was instantaneous. If we have faith as a grain of mustard, I'm sorry, if we have faith as a grain of mustard seed, salvation is our present and eternal possession. If in the list of the Lord's children we are written as the feeblest of the family, yet being heirs through faith, no power, human or devilish, can eject us from salvation. If we dare not lean our heads upon his bosom with John, yet if we can venture in the press behind him and touch the hem of his garment, we are made whole. Courage, timid one, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. All right. Well, like I said, we are going to continue on in our study of John in John chapter 6. And we are, con and we are continuing. Sorry, I was leaning away from the microphone there for a minute. And we are continuing, like I said, um, in our study. We've, we're following up on um, the feeding of the 5,000. Um, as we saw at the beginning of John chapter 6, um, he fed the 5,000, um, and we, again, we saw the fickle crowd, um, you know, oh, well, okay, let me see a few things else first, and sorry, I'm doing this without notes, um, you know, this, this was the one, this was the one miracle that we see across all four gospels, and, and honestly, in number of people affected, this was the biggest miracle, because it's not just the 5,000 men, it's with the, the appropriate women and children that would have been part of that crowd, it's 15 to 20,000 people he affected in one in one blow and in, in one miracle here by feeding them and feeding them to their fullest feeding them to their fullest as we saw um let's see as much as they verse 11 john 6 verse 11 um likewise also the fish as much as they wanted and when they were filled he said to his disciples gather up the leftover pieces so again we saw that fickle crowd i mean they they were fickle i mean and, and so so can we be um, <clears throat> they were chasing around after him and they were chasing around looking for the miracles he had done, see what else he could do and see what else he could do for them. 
Um, and, and there's even an indication by some that they feel like what, what probably happened is he continued to heal as he moved around, as he moved across the sea of Galilee over here, that he had continued healing. And thus more and more people started piling up. Well, that's great. Then more people are coming along, but they're coming because they want something. They're not coming to hear the good news that he's preaching and teaching. And it's clear that he's actually doing that for them as well. But they're a fickle crowd. They again are looking. Um, what was it that one of the comments was that this is the Galilean equivalent of what we see in John 2 verses 23 and tw- through 25, the ones in Judea, who, again, he, he won't trust them. They are believing, and I'm putting that in air quotes, which you can't see. Um, they're believing that he's doing these cool miracles. This is not a saving faith. And the same is true here in Galilee. This is not a saving faith from these people. Again, we saw the faithless... Um, Sorry, the faithless disciples, which we we're going to see a cha- we saw a change of in the last two nights. But we saw the faithless disciples that they couldn't even figure out. I mean, like I had said, they'd seen him change water into wine. They'd seen him he- heal the nobleman's son. They'd seen him heal the man who had been lame for thirty eight years at the pool of Bethesda, and they couldn't figure out that he could feed these people. You know, um, and and he did. How amazing. And that was the thing. We saw the fulfilling dinner, the the amazing, amazing miracle of Jesus taking what would be the equivalent of five Twinkies and two sardines, feeding 15 to 20,000 people and the disciples gathering up 12 baskets full of leftovers, more leftovers than he started with by a lot. What an amazing act of creation he had done there. But then we saw them, like we, like we said, that, that same fickle crowd, that same fickle crowd that we're going to, we're going to again deal with this evening, um, or at least a portion of them, um, go, wow, this has got to be that prophet that Moses spoke of. And they're not wrong. It is. But again, that I told, I, I spoke of that nationalistic fervor, that nationalistic fervor that came around the Passover and they wanted something to, to, to to dispose of the yoke that Rome had put on them to allow them to become a, a, a free kingdom again. So they, they were, they were looking for <clears throat> a military leader, a political leader, somebody honestly, and like um, one of the comments is, and, and we'll see that again this evening and into the verses tomorrow, they're basically looking you know, for what is it? A chicken in every pot used to be one of the things. And I forget how long ago that was, um, that politicians would say that, or, um, I think it was RC Sproul that made the comment or basically a loaf and a fish in every lunch. You know, they were looking for a free meal. They were, they were looking for handouts. They wanted permanent handouts. That's what they're looking for. Hey, if this guy can generate this, look what he can do for us. So we saw that and we saw Jesus dismiss the disciples to put, push them, coerce them to get into the boat and head back across the Sea of Galilee, heading either towards Bethsaida or Capernaum. And they may have headed towards Bethsaida, but eventually went to Capernaum instead, especially because of the storm they run into. <clears throat> but he does that. And there's there's every invita- um, indication that he does that and sends them across to get them away from this. Because here are these disciples seeing him getting the honor they feel he's been due and hasn't been getting. Um, and, and no, it doesn't explicitly state that, but when you see the way Peter more than once speaks to Jesus about it, especially when Jesus starts telling him or telling them the fact that he's going to be crucified and Peter just, Peter is not of the, of the mind of God. He's not in the will of God. He's in the will of man. When he starts sitting there going, no, no, don't say that. Don't say that in front of the other disciples. So it's not a stretch to feel like they would have been caught up in that. So he sends them off. And then he dismisses the crowd, or at least as much as he can dismiss them. Um, I don't know what kind of impact he would have had on fifteen or 20,000 people, but it, it states clearly in here that he sends them away. <clears throat> so he sends them across. He takes some time um, to himself. And they head out across, they head across the Sea of Galilee. And I told you about that, that, um, let's see, we see it in John six, verse 18, and the sea was stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. And I told you then, please don't mistake that. All you got to do is you go over to the other, the parallel gospels, Mark six and Matthew 14. And it's very, very clear that a storm had come up. Um, um, let's see, 
um, let's see, verse 24 of Matthew 14. But the boat was already many stadia away from the land, being battered by the waves, for the wind was against them. So again, it, it, and, and, and I told you about what it's like on the Sea of Galilee, the way these freak storms, and they come up a lot. Um, and, and I would actually call them widow makers. I mean, they are ship sinkers. Um, they do it today and they've been doing it for thousands of years. Um, because, because of the sea of Galilee being 700 feet below sea level and the hills right around there being around 2000 feet and that moisture, that moisture in the air coming off the sea of Galilee or off this Mediterranean sea and coming across those hills and down in churn into these ugly, ugly, ugly storms that these guys, even the, the four, at least the four, the four professional fishermen I know of, we know of that are in the, that boat trying to row their way out of it. And they're rowing head on in, into the, into it. And of course it'd be really easy to say, well, why didn't they do something else? Believe me, anybody that knows anything about boating like that, when you're in that kind of situation, and not only is the wind blowing from the West to the East, straight into the path you're trying to go coming head on at you. The waves are doing the same thing. You want to be turned into them. That is about the only way you're going to possibly survive that. <clears throat> but in the middle of that, and they're terrified at that, but in the middle of that coming, walking out of the rain and the storm and probably not showing up till very close to them is Jesus. And he terrifies them. They think he's a ghost. They think he's a ghost and and go figure. I mean, I would too. I think we'd all be terrified and probably blubbering. I'd be sitting there in the bottom of the boat on top of that. But Jesus says, it is I do not be afraid. And we talked about that. This is the same Greek construct, ego aimi, ego aimi. It's I am, I am. It's I am, I am that I am. He's basically telling them, I am Yahweh. Don't be afraid. I am God. Do not be afraid. Is what he's telling them. And so they were willing to receive him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land which they were going. And I missed something last night. And I'm so, so sorry I did. And I totally missed it. And I, I meant to. And I forgot to put it in my notes. But but seriously. Um, and we did talk about Peter. And Peter being in such a hurry to go. Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water and he walked out, out to him. But again, the, the waves and the wind terrifying him. Even then, and he starts to lose faith. But Jesus grabs him. Why did you doubt? But when they got into the boat, the wind stopped, the storm stopped. And here's what I missed in Matthew 14, verse 33 the parallel passage. And those were who were in the boat worshiped him saying, you are truly God's son. They were willing to accept him, but then they worshiped him. And I missed that. And that was, that is a key part of that response of the true disciple. They worshiped him. So then they reached their destination. And so our verses for today which, yeah, here we are 10 minutes in, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go that long, but I'm trying to set the stage here. So, verses 22 through 24 of John 6. On the next day, the crowd, which stood on the other side of the sea, saw that there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other small boats came from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So again, it's that next morning. It's that next morning. I mean, it's the morning after the storm and the disciples fighting their way through the storm and Jesus coming to them and then them reaching Capernaum. So they're already at Capernaum and this crowd sits there. Maybe, maybe this crowd avoided the storm. We're staying there to stay out of the storm, whatever. But they wake up the next morning and they're looking around and it's at least some portion of the crowd, the 15 to 20,000 that were there. We don't know whether it was all of them or not, because he does say that he sent them away. But, um, on that next day, they're there. They're on that East side, um, up near the Bethsaida that's there up near what, what is now the Golan Heights. They're sitting there and they look around and they realize, wow, okay, the only small boat that had been here was 
and and it says here that there were no other small boats there except one that that one was the one the disciples got into and went off and they saw that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into that into the boat but that his disciples had gone away alone so they knew the disciples had rowed off or sailed maybe they had sailed off to start with but i'm sure they took the sails down when the storm came because that would not have been smart but that they went off and Jesus wasn't with them and there were no other boats there for Jesus have, to have gotten onto another one. But they're not seeing him. And then we get a parenthetical statement in verse 23. Other small boats came from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Now, this is telling us where these other small boats that we see in verse 24, where they came from. And they came from Tiberias. And we'd mentioned that, that at, starting here in the first century, the Sea of Galilee started being called also the Sea of Tiberias. And we talked about the fact that Tiberias was a, was a new city that had been built on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, by Herod um, as a tribute to the emperor Tiberius. Um, and it was a big market town. It, it, was, it was a pretty big market town and stuff like that. So other boats, other small boats, had come from there near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So we don't know whether these small boats had tried to, tried to had pulled in there to get out of the storm um, whether after the storm had dropped these were maybe family members coming to pick up their family members or they were just enterprising people enterprising boat owners that thought hey we've heard about this big old crowd that went up around there maybe we can go up there and maybe we can make a little bit of money by ferrying them back and forth to wherever they want to go i mean shoot um you got a boat Maybe you can make a little bit more on fares than you can on fishing, and then there's always the fish to fall back on. I, I mean, it's absolutely a possibility going back and forth, and they probably could have made multiple trips going back and forth. The Sea of Galilee is not that big. It's not tiny, but it's not huge. And, you know, so they could maybe make a couple of trips and carry a decent amount of people. So they had gone up there. So a parenthetical statement. But then we get to verse 24. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, so that's telling us, um, and, and it's nor his disciples that tells us they've searched, they've searched for this Jesus. You know, he had sent them away. He wandered up into the Hills. We know he did that. They saw him do that, but he's not here. They've been searching and they can't find him. He's not here. So they go looking now again, we still have not seen them worship. They had watched an awesome, they've heard about these others. They were witness to this one and they were benefactors of this one. They had been taught. They had been, excuse me, healed, which we're not, we don't even really talk about. John doesn't even really talk about the healing. I mean, he mentions it, but that in itself was miraculous. The healing he was doing there, but he was healing them. He was caring for them. He was providing for them and he fed them all in a place where honestly, even if he'd turned them loose and they had the money, the odds are they wouldn't have been able to find anything to eat. So he fed them and fed them to where they were full. Not just gave them a little bit to tide them over, fed them till they were full. And we saw the disciples worship them. We saw that in Matthew 14. We saw that and we saw them willing to accept him into the boat. Accept him into the boat and him benefit them by that. The storm stops and he brings them to land to where they were going. He eases their way. But here's this crowd, the same crowd that followed him up there, that fickle crowd is now hunting for him again. And we see in verse 26, I mean, you see in verse 26, and we're not really going into that. We'll talk more about that tomorrow evening, God willing. But Jesus answered them. At that point, we see Jesus note exactly what they're doing. Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. They're looking for a free meal. They're like, hey, man, the loaves and fishes were pretty good yesterday. Why don't we go see if we can get some more? I mean, hey, maybe we we'll get some more healing or, you know, something else. Maybe he'll do something else for us. Who knows? Maybe he'll have some mutton. Maybe we'll have some lamb this time or, you know, or something else. Um, you know, they're, they're not following him. It's very, very clear. They're not following him for saving faith. They're not following him for the good news, for the gospel. Um we, we see that as we get down, you know, we go through the, and we're, we are, we're going to come into the point of the, the bread of life, the, this, where Jesus proclaims he's the bread of life. 
But <laughs> let's see. I'm trying to find the verse. Here we go. Um. Oh. Oh, here we go. Okay, I was right there. We get John 6, verse 66. As a result of this, many of his disciples went away and were not walking with him anymore. That's what we're building up to. And and we'll, God willing, we'll get to that when it's time. But but that's what we're building towards. That is this fickle group, this fickle crowd. And a lot of them are disciples. They're, they're what a disciple was. So it we can, we can kind of... Con, confuse or overlap apostles and disciples. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a learner. That's all they are is a, is a learner. We are disciples. When we, when we become saved by grace through faith, we become disciples. We become learners we better be learners. We better be disciples. Um, we better be like the Bereans and, and perusing through the scriptures, not, not, not casually, but diligently digging deep into the scriptures. We are called to be disciples. And so these that are following them, they're learning. He's teaching them whether they want to or not. He's teaching them. Okay. So, so this isn't, this isn't a casual thing. These are his disciples. Um, even the ones that are coming along for the healing, but there are others in among them, but we're going to see that other than these 12, and it's not just the 12, there are others that do hang around, but we've seen these 12 manifest that, oh, it's you, please come in the boat. When he, when he says, I am God, you're going to be okay. So they received him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. They, and as we saw, in, like I said, Matthew 14, they worshiped him. They worshiped him. They knew they had seen it. I mean, you even see Peter do that as much as he says, Lord, please leave me. I'm an, I'm, I'm an unclean man, but he does it from his knees and worship. We see it here that they responded properly, but here, this is the, the miracle here. And we're going to see that we're going to see it even more so tomorrow evening, but this fickle crowd, they've got the same miracle of the walking on the water. They just don't know it yet. They don't know. And you're going to see that. in tomorrow they go searching for him. They were fed and instead of worshiping. They go hunting. They were fed. Same thing the disciples saw. And then they're going hunting. Jesus isn't here. Where has Jesus gone? There is no boat to have taken him, but he's not here. There's a second miracle that they should be starting to become aware of. But all they can think of is hunting to get a free breakfast. That's all they can think about. And, and to be honest with you, it's really, really easy to sit there and look down on them, but I gotta be—I gotta be honest with you. You and I would do the same exact thing. We really would. It's way too easy for us to sit there and pull the pious. Do you ever do that in a Bible study? They turn around and they'll ask a question, and you try to give the pious answer because you because you know that's the right answer. It should be, but the fact is that's not really how you would respond. It it should be, and it's and it's a goal we want to strive towards but it's not. Well, <laughs> that's the same thing. These guys are not doing that. They're hunting for a free breakfast. They're, they're looking for a free breakfast and maybe, uh, maybe, Hey, can you take care of this ache in my shoulder kind of thing? You know, Hey, Hey, could I get a chiropractic adjustment here? And I'm not trying to belittle chiropractors, but it, you know, it's that kind of thing. Instead of just being so in awe, one of the readings we did this morning that, that, uh, the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, that, that, that true reverence, they're not showing a reverence here for Christ and what he's doing. It's, it's way too easy for, for us to go, Oh, miracle one, miracle two, miracle three, miracle four, miracle five. Oh, how cool these, you know, and going through that and, 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 and lose the awe that should have been there, lose the awe we should, we should even have 2000 years removed, but reading of it, that this man is doing these amazing things and word is circulating. And instead of being awestruck, I mean, some are, and we're going to see that, but so many of them are like, give me more, give me more, give me more. Um, it, it, it's just, it, 
it's awful, but that's us. We can be so blessed. I know I have been so blessed in so many ways across my life, but I can't tell you how many times I've turned around and gone to prayer time and all I could do was ask for more. And as I grew, as I grew more and more mature in my walk, the more and more horrified I was that all I could seem to do is ask for more instead of being grateful for what I had. We've got to be able to respond like the true disciples. This is not who we should be. The miracles we see around us, how amazing they are. And we're still seeing them today. And I'm I'm not saying people are running around doing miracles. And I'm not saying that God couldn't cause that to happen. I'm not. Truthfully, I'm a cessationist. Um, and, and I'm sorry if that, if that upsets you, it means you're going to run off. Um, I, I, I am a believer that the miracles, um, particularly the even the miracles, the miracles that Jesus did. And then the miracles that some of the apostles did, those 12 and Paul were able to do were to establish their authority, to establish a solid foundation for the new Testament church for, um, the establishment of the new covenant. And they're no longer necessary. They established those, those gentlemen's authority and that's what they were for. Um, and I believe we now have them documented here and that is for our edification. That's what that's for. Again, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying biblically there, there really is no need for it at this point. So that's why I'm a cessationist. Again, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't feel like that is a separatable issue that, uh, that, Oh my gosh, if you believe differently, you and I can't, can't be brothers and sisters in Christ, but we still have amazing things. I'm sorry. And I, and I can't give the details, but, but we experienced a miracle yesterday in our home. We're brought amazing news that we were just so, didn't even know was coming, came totally out of left field. But I could, oh man, I could not have been happy. And I almost cried right there in front of everybody. Um, it was just amazing, just awesome. And we continue to, as, as reprehensible a sinner as I am, I continually am blessed day in and day out. And we all are. If we're truly in the will of God, if we're truly of the mind of God, we know we're blessed. We know we are blessed and we know, um, it, it's, um, like my brother, rich story, um, from, uh, uh, voice of reason radio, which is out on, um, out on Christian podcast community. He and Chris Honholz, rich always says when, when Chris asks him, how you doing today, brother? And rich goes, well, as always better than I deserve because rich knows what he deserves is death being a sinner as do I, but we are sinners saved by grace. And that, that miracle alone, that indescribable miracle alone is enough for me to be in worship that I don't need to be looking for more. And I don't need to be asking for more just like these folks shouldn't have been. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. I hope that wasn't too all over the place and, and, and horrific, um, trying to do my best and fit everything in. So I apologize if it really, if you really got kind of got lost there. Um, and I will work to try to have my notes squared back away for tomorrow evening. Um, and I do still want to let you know, I may come to a point where I need to do some reading to give myself time to study and get some notes preset up and everything. Um, but honestly, at the same time, I'm not trying to do it to get out of doing the other. Um, honestly, I think it will have great value for you. So please be considering that. And, and even if, you know, um, I know it's kind of a different thing, but I've, I've seen it done and it's very, 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 um, helpful. It can be very, very helpful for folks. Um, and a great exposure. All right, let's go ahead and close this evening. We're going to close as we usually do on Tuesday nights with the third day evening prayer. It's called before sleep. Let's pray. God of all sovereignty, thy greatness is unsearchable, thy name most excellent, thy glory above the heavens. Ten thousand minister to thee, ten thousand times ten thousand stand before thee. 
In thy awful presence we are less than nothing. We do not approach thee because we deserve thy notice, for we are sinners. Our necessities compel us. Thy promises encourage us. Our broken hearts incite us. The mediator draws us. Thy acceptance of others moves us. Look thou upon us and be merciful unto us. Convince us of the penalty and pollution of sin. Give us faith to believe and believing to have life in Jesus. May we enter into his sufferings. Let us see thy hand in the instrument of our grief, rejoicing that they are from thy overruling providence. Let not our weeping hinder sowing, nor sorrow duty. While living in a world of change, let us seek the abiding city. Be with us to our journey's end, that we may glorify thee in death as in life. We bless thee for preservation, supplies, mercies, and to thee, keeper of souls, we commit all we are and have. May no evil befall us, no sickness come nigh us, no horror disturb us. May our conscience be clear, our hearts pure, our sleep sweet, and with the innumerable company who neither slumber nor rest, we join in ascribing blessing, honor, glory, and power to the Lamb upon the throne forever and ever. Amen. All right. You have yourself a wonderful evening, and God willing, I will see you in the morning. Have a good night. God bless. (music) 